0: Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, whether for fun
1: or profit. Welcome back to another GeoMob podcast. This afternoon, it's my pleasure to be talking with Pecha Kangalova. Did I say that right, Pecha? Yes, Kangalova. Yes, okay. Okay. Um Petra's an open tech advocate and an open source contributor. She works in community engagement as the open tech collective facilitator at Hot OSM. And she's particularly interested in diversity and inclusion in tech, as am I, I have to say. And it's really great to welcome Petra to the podcast. Um, Before we dig into the detail, Petra, just introduce yourself uh, to our listeners and give them an idea of your background and your experience before joining HOT.
0: Great. Thank you so much and really pleased to be here. And uh, yeah, my name is Petra Kangalova. And I work for the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team. You'll hear a lot HOT or HOTOSM as an abbreviation. Um, so a bit about my background, as I think Steven said, I would describe myself as an open tech advocate, as a community builder, somebody who is really passionate about diversity and inclusion, specifically in the tech sector. Uh, how I came into HOT and a bit about my journey that I'll try to explain. So I, I actually didn't do computer science or I didn't study GIS. Um, I, I, I studied economics and international development, so I've actually always worked in the international and humanitarian sector, but very much from a social science, uh, social science background. I've always been interested in like learning from different cultures, kind of different approaches. Uh, but I was introduced, actually, in my previous job into open tech and uh, open data, so that's how my journey uh, started. I worked for an ina- another open data initiative called the International Aid Transparency Initiative, which is literally an open data standard about transparency of financial resources, project information. Um, and that's when I started working in the technical team and uh, learned a lot about open source. I was introduced to GitHub. I was introduced to ways of collaboration um, and I do say, I always use this example that I think you don't have to have a computer science degree, you can learn a lot. And that's where um, I became really passionate about open source, also because it allows us to really collaborate and bring communities so bring people who actually use the technology. So I'd say that's when my passion started. And when I saw this job at HOT, uh, I've been with the humanitarian OpenStreetMap team now over a year and a half. It, it, was, it was a new role, um, and I really believe in the importance of having somebody like me who actually brings and connects the community. So we connect the users, like the people who are using the technology Um and, and getting them involved in the process, so, like, building with community. Um, so that's how I ended at HOT, and I really, I think my big passion is actually working with people and developing the technologies, and, you know, for those who are maybe not familiar with Humanitarian OpenStreetMap as an organization, we do focus in four regions, so we have four regional hubs, and we kind of take a very localized approach in Asia-Pacific, Eastern and Southern Africa, Western Northern Africa, Latin America, and the Cal- the Caribbean uh which to me is really important when we talk about kind of localization and context uh and really important also in developing technology or improving and involving those um involving those people so maybe a long introduction but uh yeah I'm very happy to now be part of that uh, of Hot as an organization
1: so you said you're not you didn't do computer science um Neither did I, uh, so we share that in common. Um, But do you actually contribute to to any of the projects now? So you're self-taught?
0: Yes. So I always, I would actually say that because I often get this uh, answer from people I speak to and they say, I'm not technical. And I'm like, I'm not, you know, I also also give that, give that answer. I do contribute. And I think it's really important when we talk about contribution, it's not just code, you know, it's not just coding. And I, I've been I say this every time I speak to people and it's about being you know you can contribute by being an advocate and speaking to people at events which I do quite a lot of you can contribute to our you know d- to documentation for instance and we've have quite a few number of contributors I've also done that myself in improving that guidance um, so there are different ways in which you can contribute where you don't need to have coding skills and that's where my journey started uh, and I'm really happy to see in a lot of you know open source communities that more and more even in you know conferences and sessions speak and people speak about the importance of non- code contributions uh, yeah. and And that's what I do. And that's what I think uh, I use myself often as an example that, yeah, I am self-taught. I've learned through colleagues, uh, you know, attending sessions and uh, yeah.
1: Okay. So I was just thinking as you were saying that, and of course, if you speak two languages fluently because you speak fantastic English, um, then one of the things you can do is translate documents because nearly all of the documents start in English. So there's no reason... If you can speak and speak two languages or more, then you can help to contribute by translating documents, which is a great contribution to make the software more accessible to people outside the English-speaking world.
0: A hundred percent, and I miss that as an example. I use that often as well uh, in a lot of the tools that we're working on. A hundred percent, I think it's a really important one, and that's an open source contribution.
1: Absolutely. And whilst we're in violent agreement about non-code contributions, should also mention um, volunteering at events. Um, You know, all these events that we put on require hundreds of volunteers to make them work. And um, so, you know, even if you don't write code, you can volunteer at events as well, uh, which is another. So. You said about yourself, I'm really passionate about the impact of open mapping and using technology as the enabler for people in supporting their communities. Um, And you said that, I think, in regard to the Open Tech Collective concept. Um, Can you explain what the Open Tech Collective within HOT is?
0: Yeah, good I get asked this question often and the main the main purpose of it as we talk a lot about community the idea of open tech collective is really bringing people with different backgrounds different interests and that's where I think it's important to say we have tech people you know non-tech the users into one space where they can collaborate uh, where they can collaborate whether it's around the technology or um, or a common like common idea and common process one specific example I can use of they deal with the collective is actually the work on the hot tasking manager. So maybe some right. listeners might be familiar and I'll talk about the use I of, one, well. of our, <laughs> one of our flagship products. But one gap, for instance, there was that you have a lot of users, but they never actually meet even the you know the people behind the building of the software, right? The Hot Tasking Manager. So we created a few uh, like monthly meetups, virtual meetups, where the users and also the kind of the developers of the Hot Tasking Manager can also meet. And share feedback, which I think is really important in in both ways. You know, you don't have to be technical to you know to join and say, oh, this actually didn't work in this feature, and share that share that feedback. Obviously, there are platforms to do that. But on the flip side as well, it was really useful for the tech people, for the developers to actually be more connected with the users of the tool and even kind of as a motivation. There's a lot of research actually that developers nowadays really want to move into like tech for social good and for impact and they really want to contribute to, you know, to a tool that's um whether it's working towards sustainable development goals. So what I mean by collective is bringing those people with different, you know, different inputs, kind of working towards improvements of the hot tasking manager. And uh, yeah, even sometimes something small as creating this virtual uh, meetup had such a big impact, I think, for the users being more involved, like, Learning different like skills as well. We had quite a few people being involved in, let's say we have a new feature on the tool and we want people to test it right before we go live with it, which is so important. And we had a few people, you know, supporting that process. And that's, that's an open source contribution. That's a way to, uh, yeah. that's a way to get involved. So yeah, this is one example, but yeah, the collective effort. And I would, you know, encourage everyone, different backgrounds, you have an interest, there are ways to join.
1: And coming, going sort of back into the, the dark history of my career in tech, um, I'd say this is classic product management. This is what product managers are meant to be doing, is listening to the users, finding out what the users need, and then communicating that to the people who are actually writing the software. And with modern technology, that's so easy to do. You can almost... Put the two together in a virtual room and step out the way and let them talk to each other, which is wonderful.
0: Exactly, yeah, and I think it's the product—you know, product ownership, product um, management—but also getting others, you know, even developers sometimes collaborating already in the development of the tool.
1: Yeah, because that's also a problem. I think um, in a or not a problem. I'll rephrase that. It's a challenge for open source projects that. the people who are writing the code are often working remotely from each other. And there's lots of communication through GitHub issues or notes or various other forms that involve formats that involve a keyboard and not a lot of communication that involves voice and actually looking at people and gauging people's reactions on a screen, you know? Um, so I think it's great. Um, Give me an, Do you have any ideas about the numbers of people contributing um, and participating in these kind of sessions?
0: Yes. So that's one thing that you know. We when I started, we started this process and now establishing more different measures. So. Some of the examples, as I mentioned, the hot tasking manager on a monthly basis, we have maybe 10, 15 people that's joining and collaborating um, for that. We started another like working group which goes beyond the tasking manager. Um, so that's a regular one. We also run different like webinars that I've done uh, with maybe higher participation. And one example actually of also when we talk about metrics is also we've been looking at even just GitHub of using a platform, like an open source platform, to be able to um, monitor, like when people even just respond to issues or get uh, get involved in that. And we one specific example is we actually started uh, a way to kind of reward people, so add them, you know, their name as you've contributed uh, to that project. So I think still establishing some of the, like, just, you know, um, quantitative metrics but what i would really i would also encourage others i think in this space is really useful to have more like qualitative feedback as well sometimes so like the experience of people a lot of you know research in open source like communities also says it's being welcoming and being kind of responsive to people which is a lot of my role of you know sometimes i have one on one conversations well to um to um to explain to people so some of it we monitor but there's also the bit which is common in a lot of open source um projects is sometimes actually don't know <laughs> the all the use or all the numbers of uh you know of people using it which is not just a a problem for us that's what i always tell people maybe now we can say if you have a story to share (laughs) and you're using other tools they can reach out uh yeah
1: i know when i've been uh doing open source advocacy in various forums i've always wanted to have the numbers that you could use you know like X million people are using QGIS compared to Y million people that are using another well-known product that I won't mention on this podcast. But, you know, those figures would be wonderful to have. But the very nature of the project is that download it, use it, do what you like with it, means that we don't have those numbers easily available. I mean, we could say how many downloads there are, for example, of a software project, but that doesn't give you the number of users and i think it's just occurred to me when you were talking about the tasking manager um cuz i was listening to a po- uh, to um one of your one of the guys who's in the development team and i've forgotten his name now but he was at the london branch okay. of the phosphogy yeah. uk and he was talking about some of the the decisions they had to make in the tasking manager the tasking manager is an enormous project i mean this is not just a sort of fringe thing for HOT It's a massive project with a hell of a lot of infrastructure behind it isn't it correct
0: yeah correct and that's what I always say people when they use it they don't see actually a lot of the yeah like integration and work behind in in the team of the yeah for the tasking manager it yeah and it's
1: hundreds of thousands or millions of users a month it's some enormous figures yeah
0: It is, and that's what I say. I'm sure like now, especially in response to the earthquake in Morocco, like floods in Libya and others activation, there's. Uh, you know, we always say that Yogesh uh, is probably the person who you met because he works on infrastructure. Yeah. And we always say that actually, if, if you know, if we don't hear from users, it means we're actually doing a good job in the yeah. infrastructure yeah. and the tool is, is working. And that's why it's quite interesting as well. You know, now there's been so many users doing mapping and, you know, amazing involvement. And, you know, the two, it, it is working. You know, we haven't had like uh, um, things breaking down, but I know on the back end, on in the infrastructure, there's still yeah, a lot of improvements and kind of integrations as well that we're working on, statistics and, yeah, so forth.
1: So is it all, da- is it all software or is there data as well?
0: What do you mean in terms of improvements or? In no, in a- terms
1: of the Open Tech Collective, do you work on data or mainly on soft, or is it nearly all software?
0: Most of the focus, I would say, has been on the software, on the documentation. Um, there are a few people who bring ideas on kind of linking like open mapping with open science and other areas. We haven't had a specific project, maybe on like data analysis or like use of that, um, if that's what you meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, so <sighs> let's. I've been really
1: wanting to have this conversation about diversity with somebody and <laughs> you're the woman in in my sights at the moment, Petra. So is diversity, uh, when we hear about diversity, a lot of the time it seems to be about women in tech um, and that there aren't enough women in tech or they're not well represented or the challenges that they face in organisations. Is there anything more to it than that, though?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that that would be my answer. I think there's still challenge with inclusiveness of, you know, women in tech and I can use other examples. But for me, when we think about diversity is actually thinking of all the different ac- aspects, whether that's related to, you know, men and women. I think especially in the context we work, to me, it's really important of bringing people from different cultural contexts. So that's, that's really important. And I think that's something that, you know, we really, uh, we really focus on. Um, and to me, it's really bringing these different perspectives, whether it's building a tool or not. Um, that's how I envision it's more from like different contexts, different backgrounds. Um, and having that group of, of, yeah, of barriers. So it's not just, I think often people just associated for this as kind of women in tech, but, uh, I think there are many other, um, how to say elements or areas, um, uh, that we need to really, uh, really be aware of. And particularly
1: when you mentioned the four regions, the four hubs
0: of hot, and they were Asia, Asia Pacific, uh, Eastern, yeah, Eastern, Western, Northern Africa, yeah, Latin America. Yeah,
1: I mean, but you, all of those four regions are in the global South.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That means they're predominantly not white for yeah. example, yeah. yeah, and they're also a part of the world that predominantly doesn't speak English. So, you know, I I, I guess that even language is, you know, because tech is so English, you know, um, that's a diversity issue for people. You know, if if you don't speak English, you're immediately working at a disadvantage in the tech community, or I would suggest, Imagine you
0: are. For sure. Yeah, that's definitely a barrier. That's why we talked about translation and importance of like localization when we, you know, whether it's different sessions or even when we run webinars, actually some of the like community webinars, at least trying to do like English, French and Spanish uh, and Spanish often. But I would say that's a barrier, whether it's in virtual events, for instance, of people contributing in the virtual space uh, of being able to like communicate uh, but also I think that another barrier, and I used even kind of, you know, some of the support or in Fosforge, even events where I've attended, where it's for people to ad- attend in-person events and visa, you know, visa requirements. I think that's another, that's another barrier. And I, uh, being able to collaborate or being in that space with others, um, as well.
1: So I was just thinking, as you said, get helping people to attend events, um, the first time Phosphogee collaborated with HOT was the Phosphogee event in Dar es Salaam, um, which was, I think, for everybody who attended an incredible event. But at that event, and there were about, I think, twelve say 1,200 people attended that event, and over 10% of them were people from Africa who we were able to help to come to the event by providing travel grants, by providing free entry passes, and by taking over a hostel in Dar es Salaam so that there was actually accommodation. So we were able to do the whole thing to enable people to come to this event, which was an amazing achievement. But um, the very nature of global events... Favors people from the rich north and is skewed against people from the south um even if you hold an event in Africa, you know traveling from the other side it, of africa yeah. is just too much
0: it's another barrier, yeah, even for visa, but even I think that's why we you know it's about maps and data that the maps that we look at you know yeah. coming from Europe, I think what was it in Kenya like for others it's it takes even. Um, it takes even longer. But yeah, when you mentioned Tanzania, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't at Hota and I wasn't at that event, but a lot of people use, uh, mention actually Dar es Salaam as a really great collaborative opportunity. I know in Italy, there was still maybe not 10%, but we still collaborated with G organizers on kind of travel grantees. And to me personally, also being my first G and attending there was really great to have a lot of those attendees were also volunteering, uh, but it was great to see the presence, attendance and sessions, and I think it was really great to give a voice actually at the end in the closing keynote of one of our community members of Letwin, you know, first time being in a different country, but also hearing those voices. So that's what I always say in kind of in that space of inclusivity and diversity, also giving space and voice for like even the representative score there to, um, yeah, to be present.
1: So from your perspective with your work within Hart and you work across all four regions I think yes yeah right. so what if you were going to list some things that we could do as a community to improve diversity what would be your top two or three things that we should be doing okay
0: top two or three so I always start with saying kind of people being more educated and having that awareness uh, and I think that starts and even for me as well like being present in those spaces as a woman but also the white woman I come with some privileges and uh, and I think that's maybe the first thing to think about. Um, I watched recently, I was at an event, very tech-dominated, called Open Source Summit, which, again, over 1,000 people, maybe 10% women, and there was a talk about being an ally. So I think what we can do, I would say, is you know having that awareness, and no matter what maybe privileges or backgrounds you come with, is advocating on being an ally for maybe more disadvantaged groups, whether it's that creating opportunities or giving voices to uh, giving voices to um, to people. And then what I mentioned is, yeah, having I think having those opportunities, like being welcoming, which I think in the especially maybe where I come from in the kind of tech space, whether it's GitHub or other spaces, a lot of those spaces are not really welcoming the language barrier. That we talked about so that's another practical thing of thinking how can you whether it's github whether it's a document writing it in different languages or creating like space where you're actually welcoming people without you know judgment and even just you know saying hello that actually has quite a big impact for people to feel included in sometimes very closed uh, closed spaces um And creating those opportunities, I think there are a lot of different networks as well that people can join. And you don't have to be just a woman to join a specific. You can be an ally, whether it's, you know, women in geospatial, like Open Heroines is another network. There's a lot as well um, that I've more recently learned also encouraging uh, specifically in the tech sector. And that's focusing more on women in tech and kind of retaining them into that sector, because there's also evidence that, you know, you might join, you know, you can have an inclusive space where you join, but then actually you're not staying that long. Uh, And I think there are initiatives and organizations, but yeah, being an ally, joining those networks, I think finding, you know, support system and uh, yeah, creating those opportunities, maybe some of the things I would like. Okay. So as somebody who, thinks of themselves as
1: an ally, I've got a question for you, and this isn't one that you were prepared for, so I'm, I'm warning you in advance. Okay. Um, on this podcast, we've now, I think we've recorded just over 200 episodes, so it's a lot of episodes, and we've invited a lot of people to come on the podcast, and we, we definitely struggle in the podcast and also in the events that we run to get women speakers and from time to time people criticize us and say why don't you have more women speakers why is it so male dominated and the answer is because we invite lots of people and only and often the women speakers don't don't step up right when I mailed you and said, would you like to come and do a podcast? You replied immediately and said, yes, please. Um, you know, and we exchanged emails for a week or two and now we're recording. What can we do to encourage people to speak, not just on this podcast or at our events, but generally how do we get more women who are already in tech to step up and speak at events and on podcasts and give their opinions?
0: Very, very good question. I'll think of two things that I always reflect on myself and like why I'm, you know, some people say, oh, you're quite confident going into this because it is something that you can be quite nervous about and stepping into that space. That's very male dominated. So one thing I'm just reflecting on, and that's another thing I'm quite involved is peer mentoring or kind of a buddy system where you could have somebody, maybe you're sending the invite, but uh, you're encouraging more people. They can speak to somebody, maybe me, (laughs) we can think of a practical way uh, where maybe you're inviting somebody and if they've rejected it, like, is there anything else that you can do? Or I can share my experience of uh, how to prepare for a podcast. I myself, actually, I've had different uh, more recently reaching to mentors and I've had advice from one of my mentors of on how to prepare for a podcast uh, and some of those useful tips that you can sometimes give for people. But I think sometimes hearing from somebody else with that experience that a woman who's presented previously or with a different background can be useful of having that forum to... Uh, yeah, to connect with somebody who who has that. Um, I think in terms of time, you know, adapting different ways of when people can join uh, a podcast. The other third one is that's a <laughs> that's a big one, but I do think there is less women because very early on when we think of like opportunities from like whether it's education, from a school going into like high school, it's having this mentors of people who actually believe in you. To, to make those. Um, so very practically, that's maybe the one thing I can think okay. about. If, uh,
1: yeah. So I'm going to add you to my list alongside several other women who I'm going to use as people that I can refer other people to for a little bit of coaching before coming on the podcast if they're anxious about that, which I think is a great thing to do. And Equally, if there's anyone out there listening who would like to be on the podcast or would like to speak at a Geomob event and they're a bit nervous, talk to me first. I'll put you in touch with Petcha. I'll put you in touch with one of several other people that I can think of. And we can help to reassure you on that because we really do want To get more voices and not, uh, we've been talking about women a lot, but not just women's voices, people from the global south who maybe English, probably English isn't their first language. We can work with that. We can do that. We've recorded podcasts with people whose English isn't great, and we've still had great podcast episodes, so it can be done. And I'm sorry that was an advert, Petra, but we need to say it it out loud so that people think they can do this. So. I've got loads more questions for you, but I also realized that we got, as I knew we would do, we got diverted. So I'm going to finish with one question for you, which is why is open tech particularly important for humanitarian mapping? Yeah. Does um, it matter? I mean, you know, why couldn't it all be proprietary technology? What difference would it make?
0: Well, I think the starting point is thinking especially about humanitarian context and, as I said, the different regions and places where we focus on. One of the key things with open tech and open source is that anyone, thinking of barrier to entry, anyone can have access using under open license. And that's really critical. We picked up on a few things about involving community, involving users. If that's a closed box, you're already not you know, hearing from your community and from your users. Um, Having flexibility to me and being able to adapt the technology that you're developing and open tech to that context uh, is really, really critical. And I would say that's the only uh, way to be able to collaborate. So we talk about diversity and inclusion. And if you are having that proprietary or closed, uh, closed software, you're not allowing that collaboration between, between different users um, and being able to improve it um, in a good way.
1: Okay. Um, and I think, uh, I think we know that this technology can save lives in humanitarian crises. It can help us to run societies at whatever level more effectively by putting resources in the right place. It can, it can make government better. It can make all sorts of – it contributes to all sorts of things, and that should not be the preserve of the wealthy north. It should be the pres- – everybody in the world should be able to access that. And it's probably only with open source technology that we can make that available to everybody in the world that wants to make use of it. So that's a great piece of work that you're doing, Petra. I I applaud everything that you do at heart and the whole team at heart. You know, I mean, it's one of my my passions. So let's just finish... Um, tell us one thing that you do outside of running open tech what is it that happens when you switch off at the end of the week
0: <laughs> yeah definitely a lot i always say that all of us we have so many different sides and i love hearing from my colleagues or community i actually dance a lot i'm a dancer outside uh, you know outside the tech the tech uh, world and Um, Yeah, it's a big passion of mine. And I love actually sometimes even connecting the two worlds because there's a big community. You know, we talk about communities, whether it's Mm. tech, whether it's dance. And uh, it's really just showcases you the kind of connection between people when they have a common interest. Or, uh, yeah, or sometimes I, with a lot of my dance friends, you know, maybe we've known each other for a year. We have no idea what we actually do on a day-to-day basis uh, in our work. So, uh, yeah, I've introduced some people who've never heard of OpenStreetMap. So that's been <laughs> that's
1: been That's great, great yeah. I've, my wife, after 25 years um, in tech, still doesn't understand what I do. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nor do most of my friends outside of the tech community.
0: I don't know. It's, it's a hard one where I've tried, I've tried different approaches of in one sentence, you know, how to explain it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Petra,
1: it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for offering to be an ally if we have people who want a little bit of guidance before coming on the podcast. Um, it's been great. Thank you
0: very much. Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is GeoMob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a GeoMob event soon.